0: God, it seems like a thousand years ago, I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one.
1: Hey, and welcome back to 32 Fans Movie Podcast. This is Sam Chester. I'm here with Will again. And we're here to
0: talk movies, what we saw in April. Will, take it away. Yeah, so today we're just going to be talking about what we saw in the month of April 2019 specifically. Uh, and we're going to talk about Avengers Endgame. I like, couldn't think of the name for a second there. And then we're going to go through uh, our MCU ranking that we made like a compound together.
1: Yeah, this this is the end of the this is the end of chapter <laughs> what is it? One of the MCU Yeah, or the the big yeah, it's like first phase volume 1, I guess. I, I don't know, know how they divide it up yeah so it's the right time. It's the right time to do a proper ranking. And with us to do a ranking, we have a very special guest, the movie ranker par excellence of 32 fans fame. The, the person who as Will and I spoke about last time, at least for me, he sort of inspired me to do this podcast and, and get into watching in, a, in a, an exorbitant amount of movies. Um, Av let me ask you, since you were our chosen guest and we had a lot of guests who wanted to join us to talk Marvel to talk uh, Avengers. What makes you a credible critic, a credible uh, expert on uh, the MCU, on Endgame, on just the Avengers, you know, world? Um, and then also, why are you actually not a good critic of it?
2: All right. Well, I, I didn't realize that I was in competition. Now that's a lot more pressure. I just asked to be on, and you said yes, and you know, that's how I saw it from my perspective. But again, I guess now I have to uh, prove my credentials. Um, I am, I guess I would say, I am a big fan of the MCU and the Marvel movies. I am not at all a fan of the Marvel comic books. Um, I can't even say for sure that I've ever read any of them in my entire life. So um, I'm not one of those people who's, you know, one of these... All-time fanboys who's been waiting my entire life for these movies to exist and is breaking down how everything relates to what happened in the comic books 30 years ago, or how it, you know, how it differs, how it's the same, how how it's better or worse.
1: Uh, do people uh, do people read comics? Av and I are closer in age. I think we're both in our 30s. Will is about a decade behind us. I mean, I don't know. Question both you, Av, and you, Av, in like the early 90s, and Will in maybe what the late 90s. Were kids reading comics? No one was reading comics when I was a kid in the early nineties. I had friends that did.
2: Um, you know, I, I think I probably did from time to time when I was at certain friends' houses. I had a few friends that were into them. Uh, I think they're. You know, I think they were pretty big still when we were young. Yeah, uh,
0: I was about to say growing up in the uh, the two thousands. I don't know if I've ever seen a comic book like in my real life.
1: The only comics I saw as a kid were Archie comics, and they, were, they looked like they'd been passed down by an uncle when they were 30 years old, and the typeface and the design. I know Archie's meant to look like it's old, uh, but still, Archie was what I knew as a kid. I knew of the existence, obviously, of comics, but I don't know. No one I knew, I don't know. Do you subscribe to comics? Uh, just a few nerds I knew bought them at magazine stores, like, you know, nerd game stores. But uh, no, it's interesting, Av, that you sort of... They were around but I think your credentials are pretty secure that you weren't reading them because... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just never, it was never something that appealed to me. Um, you know, I've gotten so into the, the Marvel movies over the last, you know, five to 10 years, um, I've seen them all at least two times, some of them several times more than that, that I've almost been tempted a few times to try to get into comics, and basically every time I open even one or two pages of a comic book, I'm just like, no, this is not for me.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious, I mean, we can talk about this maybe on a whole other show, whole other theme, how, to what extent the MCU has powered back the actual comics, which is really the origin. I mean, comics is such a rich history going back, what is it, 80 years, a lot of uh, Jewish comic writers, World War II, you know, Superman, that whole story. Um, but let's really let's jump into talking movies because that's what we're about. Uh, and we have with us Av, who the 32Fans community knows watches a lot of movies, uh, but I think Will can go toe-to-toe and, and, and push one down on Av because uh, he's really our consensus uh, movie watcher. So, Will, what what have you been watching
0: in April? Yeah, so it's been a light month in terms of, like, actually good movies that have been coming out, like, especially in terms of wide releases. Uh, I feel like all the studios were holding back all their, all their good material because they knew Endgame uh, was coming. I have seen uh, really just one movie that I would really recommend this month uh, in terms of new releases. Besides, besides Endgame. <laughs> oh, besides, besides Endgame. Uh, I would say... Yeah. Uh, the Mustang uh, was a really big surprise for me. Uh, it's about this prisoner, you know, this guy in federal prison uh, working through this rehabilitation rehabilitation program, uh, training wild Mustangs in the prison. Um, and he sort of, like, confronts his violent past um, as he gets to know this horse.
1: Will and I were talking about this before the show. I've heard of Mustang. I've sort of avoided it because it seems so much like two movies from last year, Lean on Pete. And The Rider And I loved The Rider Lean on Pete was a miss to me And I just feel I don't need another movie About a guy connecting to a horse Is it too si- Is it similar to those movies Did you see those yes. I, oh, I, recall, I think you saw those I saw The Rider I have not seen The Mustang though
0: so. Yeah I haven't seen
2: Mustang either uh, so. I, I like The Rider I thought that was a, a very nice movie
0: Yeah it was good I mean it's definitely Similar to those Like I feel like The guy trains a horse And finds himself Through the process Is becoming just like A genre In the past couple of years
1: Yeah yeah, I wonder, is it going to move on from horses and you're going to see it uh, on other animals as well? I mean, it didn't work last month with Dumbo for you, though I guess a slightly different animal. Slightly <laughs> different animal. Uh... I don't know if
0: that was going for the same uh, effect.
1: Well, Will, anything, maybe one movie that people might have in mind and they should miss, they should skip out on that you saw? I
0: did see High Life, which has been getting like a lot of, a lot of hype lately. Uh, mm. A lot of people that I've seen have really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't even say necessarily to skip it. Um, I did not enjoy it. It's like a very technically well-made movie about this uh, Robert Pattinson and his baby daughter um, on this like space mission.
1: So I think the way I I also saw High Life, and I've you know chime in uh, thoughts on it as well quickly. I think the best way to describe High Life. First off, I would tell people don't go near this movie with a ten-foot pole. I think it's a complete waste of time. I, I think what you need to tell people is that this is a very French arty director's. Take on sci fi. This is actually the first movie that she's done in English, which was sort of a lot of the excitement. Um, but all of her other movies, including the one she made last year, which I saw, which was in French and very classic a French woman going around dating people and boring listeners to tears, um, it's very much from that background. I mean, she makes very high end, arty, Frenchy kind of, you know, a certain kind of independent movie that some people might gravitate towards. So this is her doing that in sci fi. I would say complete miss. I don't like it at all. I don't know. Av, you did you see a highlight for me? Um, I did not. Um, I,
2: I knew you were gonna. You might be talking about it, so I I sat down to start watching it last night around ten o'clock, and after about ten minutes, I said, "You know, I'm not in the mood for this movie right now. I'm gonna watch it another time." And I, <laughs> I, I instead watched uh, "Isn't It Romantic," the Rebel Wilson rom com, because that seemed more more the tone that I was going for. Oh, at Oh, fun!
1: What I also like about your decision is that the movie that the director of High Life made last year would be probably the exact opposite of the, the rom-com you saw. So it was a great sort of criticism of that director that you rejected her latest movie for something she probably wouldn't Yeah, obvi- Obviously that's exactly what I was thinking of at the time. Yeah, you were doing it on several levels uh, for the sake of this podcast. Um, well, yeah. unless you have any others, I'll, I'll jump in. I would just say, I saw about eight movies this month, and with one exception, all of them were defined by one trait. They were all over three hours long. And I actually had Two other movies I wanted to see, also, which are three hours long, which I didn't get to. One of them is Knocking on Concrete. That's a movie from January with Mel Gibson. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, something Concrete with well, Mel Gibson. I think it's uh, called Dragged Across Concrete. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So I missed that, but I saw four or five three hour movies. A few of them were in foreign languages. Uh, the one that I'll call attention to Because most of them I didn't like The one I'll really call attention to Obviously we're going to talk about one three hour movie soon Which is why I thought long movies was the theme of April But there's a foreign movie called An Elephant Standing Still It's in Chinese It's not going to show on any I think uh, Local cinemax Except in New York obviously where you can probably find everything But I, I imagine it's hard to find in Virginia Um It's a super Obscure movie if you google it you'll see that every critic is calling it like a once in generation movie It is not three hours long. It is four and a half hours long It's slow and the other two things i'll say about it is it's incredibly bleak Incredibly bleak so don't go in looking for sort of a rah-rah three hours avengers. It's not going to lift you up That said it is well made. I didn't love it But I respect how well made it was um And it's not a spoiler to say Because everything tells you about this And it doesn't impact the movie The movie starts with a suicide And the 29-year-old director of this movie Killed himself in the final um, While editing the movie Wow! So it's bleak, it's long It's super slow I remember, Av, when you would describe movies as slow In your 32 fans year-end rankings If you get any of this movie on screen You'll appreciate, I think, what a really, really slow movie is Because this movie is so slow It's four hours, it takes its time yeah, that that sounds like uh, something I'm never going
2: to see, but maybe.
1: Yeah, I was lulled by the critic reviews, which were just going off on how amazing it was. It's it's very hard. I couldn't find a review online that didn't love it, but again, these are all artsy-fartsy uh, critics who subjected themselves to a four-and-a-half-hour movie. So I would not describe myself as that, but I did as well. Yeah,
0: it might, be, uh, it might be like Stockholm Syndrome at that point. Like, you've just subjected yourself to this long experience, and you feel like you have to claim that you got a lot out of
1: it I will say like you know if you could have broken it down into a shorter TV episodes or something it, it's really well made but it's incredibly slow and it's bleak um, the popular movie I saw this month that I would tell people to avoid is JT Leroy it's starring a few A-list actresses it's based on a real story and it's an amazing story that the movie does not they waste amazing actors they waste a true life incredible story uh, and, you know, I would avoid it. I imagine you saw it, Will, right? Uh,
0: I've never heard of this movie. I'm looking it up J. now. J.T. LaRoy? Yeah, it is. Kirsten oh. Stewart. Uh,
1: yeah, Kirsten Stewart. Courtney Love. I the name of the other. Uh, another. It, it's based on a story that, uh, maybe you recall, I won't go into too much if people are going to see it, but essentially there was an author who passed off her sister-in-law as the androgynous um, author of her works. So she was an anonymous author pretending that Uh, Some 25 year old uh, Dude was writing her novels And she was a 45 year old writer And she then at some point decided to pass off To uh, New York and French critics that her 19 year old sister-in-law Was actually the author of her novels Uh, And it's a true story It happened in the late 90s or the 2000s It was a major kind of uh, In a certain world it was a big deal At the time I had never heard of the true life story It doesn't matter if you know that going in Because it's revealed very early on um, the movie's a miss for me, but I thought it was sort of popular entertainment. So.
0: Yeah, looking up, it seems like a lot of people didn't like it, so I'll probably uh, avoid that one. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah,
1: I, I'm surprised you managed to miss movies. I figured if you're seeing three a week, you kind of hit everything.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I see more of like the like the normie movies, like uh, Breakthrough and Little. Yeah, they're not uh, they're not good.
1: Okay, well let, let's jump to Endgame because Avengers Endgame was not only the movie of the month, even if you don't like Marvel. It's not only the movie of the year so far, you know, you guys may say, and I'll, and I'll turn it over to you more, it may, you know, arguably it could be, I don't know, the movie of the decade, the movie of the last 15 years of Marvel and you know, Disney, you know, changing the world of movies. Um, it's huge. So let's really get into Endgames. Di- we didn't say this on Top Will, but this is a completely spoiler-embracing podcast for oh, you know, our listeners to know. So we're going to talk the movie... And if you don't want to know it If you were planning on seeing it later Then, you know, turn us off now Or just turn us off Just as we're about to say something Not much more you can say But yeah, Av, like, you know Feel free to spoil away Um, Maybe I'll start it off Because as listeners may know I'm not a superhero person I'm not a Marvel person Av, who didn't appreciate this Was chosen among six different guests All of whom described themselves as huge Marvel fans And they all wanted to join us for this podcast We felt we owed it to Av, though Um, So Av, you've already said you are Will, I recall you told us last episode you were. So I'll ask you guys this to test your expertise as a non-fan. Mm. Who in this movie in Endgame is arguably the biggest actor, the biggest A-list actor in the movie, and yet we never see him in the entire movie? Av, uh, you want to go first? Do you know who that is? Uh, Chris Pratt. Do you, mean literal, do you mean literally never? No. We never see him in the movie. Chris Pratt is wrong, so we'll jump the, the queue. Oh, but man. uh uh, I don't know what you us, will, but uh, you've shamed the podcast. Uh, no. Do you know who it is? I think he's the biggest A-list actor is nowadays. In, I don't understand what you mean by in the movie, but not in the movie. He, he's not seen on screen in Avengers Endgame. But he's in the movie? Yeah, not oh, seen I, on I, screen.
2: Are you saying Bradley Cooper?
1: Yeah, exactly. Bradley Cooper. I, I forgot Bradley Cooper voices that raccoon superhero. Oh, but yeah, Bradley Cooper is pretty A-list, right? Especially after the the music video <laughs> he made last year. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, I think he's a big deal, and it kind of it's a reminder, and this is something maybe we'll talk about of how much talent is in the Marvel universe, and how much talent was in this one movie. Um, even a guy who you don't even see on screen, and therefore I think he has not been tabbed as part of... He's not a superhero to people, right? Like, you don't think of Bradley Cooper as being in the, in the MCU. Right.
2: Yeah, and I, I would say there are even a few scenes in the movie, maybe we'll discuss them more specifically late, later, but where basically the almost the point of the scene is, look at all of this. Look at all of these people that we have put together over the last ten years all in the same thing and it's just a list of oscar winners and box office stars and it's just
1: totally astonishing the the level of talent involved in this yeah i agree that's one of the things i really like and we'll get into that last question i have before we jump right into the movie uh i'll start with will this time because we're supposed to go with Av last time but will you gotta you gotta defend yourself and respect (laughs) yourself on this question yeah it's it's not it's not as hard. Which would you say of the following Chris's has the most credible film future after the you know post MCU post Endgame post Endgame mm-hmm. Chris Evans who plays Captain America Chris Pratt who plays I don't know his name but the, 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 the space pirate Star Lord and yeah. Chris or or Chris Hemsworth who plays uh, Thor. So
0: I would say Chris Evans. I feel like he's had a really good history with like uh, being ex- experimental, uh, trying out indie movies. Um, he was really good in um, uh, that train movie. What was it? Um, Snowpiercer.
1: Yeah, Snowpiercer was an independent.
0: No, I mean it's not Sorry. like it's not like an indie movie, but you know it's not like the traditional big blockbuster. Uh, really good in Sunshine. So you're saying Chris
1: Evans is the Chris of the of the three Chrises. He's going to be the Chris we see the most on the silver screen in the next five, ten years. I don't
0: know if he, he's who we'd see the most. I feel like he's the one that I'm most looking forward to the choices that he makes going forward, I, though.
2: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think I, I think he just also has the... Projects as the most conventional movie star of the three. You know, the other two... Um, you know, Chris Pratt is going to be mostly a comedic actor. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is, you know, starting to go back and forth. But I think Chris Evans has the best chops. Um, if you notice, he hasn't been wearing the Captain America helmet for quite a few movies now. I don't, I don't think that's the... A coincidence. He's clearly positioning himself for yeah. life after Marvel the, the past few years, and I think he's going to have a very successful career doing so.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting in that, and you know, we can get into some of the social dynamic in that there are a lot of white guys at the front of this movie, and it's, <laughs> the movie's been criticized a bit for that. But also, three of them are named Chris, so you know, <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, let's jump into the movie. As people who watch movies know, there's typically like a three-act structure in movies. This movie is three hours long. I thought I was watching three movies. So <laughs> the, kind of the first question I would ask you of is, I thought I was watching a first movie which I would call Lamentations, a second movie called Time Travel, and a third movie called Big Special Effects Battles. So if that, is that fair? Would you disagree? Is there a fourth movie in there? And which of those three movies do you like the most? Uh,
2: yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I think I enjoyed the first part of the movie the most. Um, The Lamentations. Lamentations, um, I thought it was, first of all, just like very good and smart that they actually took their time to show the consequences of what happened at the end of Infinity War. Uh, I think, you know, there were a number of people who had a take on Infinity War that I didn't really that I didn't really agree with that, you know, there was really no stakes or consequences at the end of the movie because everyone, you know, understands that all these people are coming back. Black Panther and Spider-Man aren't gone. And I think that by showing the toll that that actually took on the characters in the movie and the way that it, in fact, that it impacted the world in which the characters inhabit... It it really, in my opinion, totally eviscerated that argument against Infinity War. And I don't know if that was intentional. Um, You know, the way they started out with Hawkeye and his family, you know, a family that we've gotten to know over the course of the films, and just showing, you know, the desolation and the unrest and people just trying to understand what what has happened in almost a HBO The Leftovers type of short film, um, I thought it was extremely effective.
1: I also think it puts characters first, and as you pointed out before, I think what MCU does so well is it, it, it... it's great casting, and I love the first part the most as well as my favorite mini movie within Endgame, because I got to appreciate the actors on screen. Especially Robert Downey Jr. Uh, he was great as in that for in Lamentations. Yeah, he was phenomenal.
2: I, I thought in he was phenomenal old... in the whole movie. This is by far his best performance that he's given in years, uh, maybe even in the entire MCU. Um, you know, there, there's people always joke about the fact that he he shows up for two days for these movies, but it seems like you know he wanted to go out strong and he he delivered what I thought was a really tremendous performance here.
0: No, I totally agree, and um, I don't know if it's like boring podcasting, but I would agree that the first part of the movie was my favorite. Um, Yeah, just like you guys said, uh, it was really good to see everyone actually get a chance to flex their acting chops. I felt like this was the first time Chris Evans really got to, you know, show his... uh, Captain America. Show his training. Yeah, Captain America.
1: But but, So so Time Travel, the second movie, did you Mm -hmm. like the Time Travel segment? Uh, It
0: was definitely a lot... It was like a big tone shift into like a goofy territory that was like pretty tonally uh, opposite from the first movie, I felt like. Uh, But like, just in terms of... Uh, just, like, looking at it separated from what's around it. I did enjoy it. I felt like it was a kind of a weird shift to make, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, what I... I don't know if you guys are big Seinfeld fans. I remember... I was, like, the perfect age as a Seinfeld watcher when the finale came out. And i have you know, more or less probably on the same page with this. And so I remember all the build-up to what was the Seinfeld finale going to be, how was it going to play i saw I thought this whole time travel part of the movie was very kind of last episode of TV, which is fitting for the MCU in how you craft a plot which allows you to then do like greatest hits you know go back and see all the sort of oh, great yeah. scenes um, Star Trek, I think did that in their last episode, Seinfeld obviously did, and people didn't like it but I so I really like the time travel as well yeah, um, I thought it worked I, I thought greatest hits is fun so so what I would say about the middle part of the movie is that i I thought
2: it was totally inconsistent um, it had a plot that was basically incoherent at times, and was extraordinarily self-indulgent, and it was fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've read online people say it's fan service, which I don't really know what that means, given that they have so many fans and they're making movies for fans. I mean, why shouldn't a movie like this be fan service? Well, why is that a criticism? Which I don't. Yeah, know. and you guys and, and I think it, it was well
2: earned, well laid fan service so the fact that it makes fans happy isn't a criticism if it's you know done in a coherent way that makes sense and pays off things that are you know people are looking to see it's
0: I I I don't understand that criticism at all you know if it's if it's cheap
2: if it's cheap fan service sure you know that's garbage but this was well done
0: yeah yeah for me fan service is only annoying when it's like the first film in a franchise like with the DC movies where they just suddenly like throw out a character name like hey you know this guy like everyone please clap um but with here, uh, it's, like, after 22 movies, I feel like they have the right to do these things, like, to really make big crowd cheering moments, you know? Yeah, but also, as I
1: said, like, to, the, to me, that's what a finale is of a TV show, of a series. The finale of a series, it's great to have callbacks and to literally jump back yeah. into sort of cool scenes, uh... I again, I haven't seen all the MCU's, but one of the scenes I really remember for some reason is when Captain America goes into an elevator and has this really cool, um, you know, sort of flexing his wrists, and before he beats everyone up in the elevator and then just walks out. And I love how they redid that scene. Um, I thought that was yeah. so well done. Um, it was funny. It was sort of dramatic. It fit multiple levels. Um, but what it, what it, what it connects for me then is to the third movie in Endgame. Uh, the few reviews I had sort of listened to after watching the movie hardcore fans they love the third part it was their favorite part uh, Av, what did you think was that like you were on the edge of your seat tears yeah i mean i, I love the third part
2: as well um you know i'm not i'm not gonna sugarcoat it here um i'm i'm in a i'm in a whatsapp group that we we set up to talk about endgame because we some of us were seeing it at the same time and i pulled my phone out in the middle of the scene and just and wrote i'm just here to let you guys know that avengers assemble was the greatest moment of my life okay now back to the movie now, you know, that the scene where they come back with the way it's just totally set up with, you know, Cap gets the hammer, he's he's fighting Thanos, and then everyone just swoops in one by one, and it's just everyone on screen. And, you know, you just look at the, the wide screen that you have in those theaters, and you just, from one corner to the next, is filled with a famous superhero. Um, just all coming together for the one final battle was just, I thought, unbelievable. It was just an amazing culmination to 22 movies.
0: Yeah, honestly, I thought the pacing was done so well that, like... Once you heard, uh, was it Falcon like talking to Captain America over his earpiece? Like at that point in the movie, I'd forgotten that they did the snap to bring everyone back, and so I like you know going into the movie that everyone's gonna come back, like no one's gonna stay dead uh, aside from like uh, Black Widow now, I guess. Uh, but I I still felt like it was very satisfying how they really like made made the characters work for it. It didn't feel like it just came back easy. And seeing everyone like step out of the portals was such a satisfying moment.
1: So hardcore nerds, uh, and maybe we'll get to it. They like freeze frame that scene because apparently, and I didn't notice this, and I wasn't looking for it. Apparently, they have so many characters step out, so many characters. Maybe we'll get when we get talk about MCU. Maybe we'll go back and even talk about this final battle scene because you'll appreciate all the different characters popping out. Um, I will tell you my biggest kind of gripe and why I get bored in MCU movies is I feel they're so defined. There's such a defined element to them. And one of the defined elements is big CGI battle at the end where everyone just punches each other a lot until one guy stops punching them. And like Av and I once spoke about this about Black Panther, which is the ending was just kind of. You know, weak to me Often often in MCU movies You have a giant airship That sort of just shows up And it's almost like a MacGuffin Like it's just sort of there To fill the screen The enemies are always Not like obviously the arch enemy But all the enemies Are just these CGI insect aliens And this is, again Not only in Endgame But in a lot of these movies And to my mind I compare that to And we can touch on this as well I compare it to how Game of Thrones Often does big battle scenes, particularly I think of like the Battle of the Bastards or other battle scenes, you know, obviously the one we all saw this week. I don't know that we all saw it. Okay, so maybe we didn't all see it. Uh, I just meant because of the TVs. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The way that Game of Thrones does battles and other series as well, and the way that MCU movies does battles, I get to the finale big battle scenes in Marvel and I wish they ended earlier. I just wish they cut it out. So I hear what you guys are saying that oh, it was really fun to see all the characters plop back up. But the actual battle, to me, is completely silly. Um, And I'll add one thing to that. And this is really a question to both of you, because, again, what do you say to someone who finds it just boring, these battles, is they were so overpowered, it was – I mean, maybe it doesn't matter because Thanos isn't so important, frankly, in this entire movie. They were so overpowered at that point in the battle that they tried to make it seem like they were still in some level of danger, I suppose, and I was like, come on, guys. Like, you know, you have, like, a billion of your superheroes, half of whom should be able to take on Thanos in some way – there's no more tension. That was me. That, that was a non-MCU gripe. So that was a non-MCU fan. His gripe throughout the whole series bottled up in this Yeah, one ba- I mean, I would, I would
2: agree that in general, you know, the battle scenes are not my favorite parts of the movies because they're just kind of generic and you, you basically know what's going to happen at the end of the battle scene. Um, you know, I, I think they're good for a few minutes. When they stretch into being thirty, forty minutes, as they do in some of the movies, uh, I think even some in the DC movies, like they, they get some of them get really long. Um, that just doesn't do it for me. Um, you know, it's it's not a Game of Thrones podcast, but you know, everyone was so excited about this, you know, sixty-plus minute battle that we were going to have this week, and. The week before i was kind of getting a little nervous you know saying you know i don't know that a 60 minutes of battle is going to be that interesting eventually battles get pretty boring um you know i guess people disagree about whether or not that came to fruition but you know overall with your point i kind of agree um which i think you know makes some of this some of the sequences throughout the mcu that kind of diverge from that just you know big battle at the ends A little bit more special. Maybe we'll talk about some of those later when we go through the series, but this movie, to its credit, only had one of these, which, you know, some of them have two or three or even more of those, so I think the fact that, you know, there's a three-hour movie that was mostly story and only one really big battle I think is part of what made this movie so much fun.
1: I agree with you, but Again, the way the movie sort of funnels toward the big battle, as if that's going to be the most exciting part of the movie. And while you guys are saying it's exciting because you get to see all these faces pop up, I just sort of felt like, oh man, like do we really have to go here? Like, do we have to have a giant airship? Like, does that have to be punch, punch, wham, wham, like the way this movie ends? And I suppose it doesn't really end in that way, but there does seem there's way too much of that for. And I'm sort of curious how many listeners who don't like MCU but who still watch it sporadically like myself, if this is the same kind of element that bores them. You know, all the superheroes can't be hurt. It doesn't matter if a massive building collapses on top of them from, like, a bombardment. They are all just sort of will walk out unhurt and just start punching people.
0: It definitely didn't help that we'd already seen all these characters fight Thanos, like, back in Infinity War. And this was basically just, like, a worse combination of those fights that were in Infinity War. Yeah,
1: yeah. Though, you know, callbacks to me work. Call max to me work uh okay look otherwise the last kind of question i had on endgame was to ask of first uh who are the three most compelling heroes in avengers endgame not the whole mcu not the whole shebang in this movie who are the three guys that you were like i'm watching these three guys in the movie okay. by guys i mean women as well even though no um people, maybe well
2: not. i would say definitely the two that really got the send-off uh Captain America, Steve Rogers, and Tony Stark, Iron Man. Uh, I think they were the heart and the glue that held this franchise together over the last 10 years. And this was a, a fitting end to their stories. Um, as far as a third person, um, I thought the, what, what they've continued to do with the Thor character, with Chris Hemsworth, is, is nothing short of a miracle. Oh. Uh, if, you, if you go back and watch those early Thor movies... Um, You know, I thought the first one was like, okay, the second one is pretty bad, but the way they just totally reinvent that character from this dour, gloomy guy who talks in, like, Shakespearean whatever he's doing to probably the funniest part of the the movies at this point is just – it's miraculous.
1: So they're so channeling the dude that they even have Tony Stark – self-reference that and be like what are you the big lebowski but he is the big lebowski i mean they took one of the most treasured characters in (laughs) film history the big dude from the big lebowski and they made him thor or they made thor him i thought that was was amazing amazing. i mean i love that to me thor was the thor was the the character who drove this movie for me even though he wasn't emotional heart
0: yeah and i think uh i feel like chris Hemsworth, like back when he was first cast as thor you know he was just cast as like Oh, this big hunky guy. But somewhere along the, the line when they've been filming all these movies, they realize Chris Hemsworth is actually like a really funny uh comedic actor. Yeah.
1: Well who would you if you had to make a fourth, who would be your number four to add on to what I've said?
0: Honestly, I was really surprised by uh Nebula in this movie. I thought Karen Gillan had a lot of really emotional uh stuff to do. And especially considering Nebula was like a character I didn't really care about going into this movie. Um, I I was surprised by how much I was like wanting them to go back to showing her more on so, so one
1: of the one of the things that pops up if you read about the movie is that the whole in infinity wars uh what's his name the wizard you guys will have to correct me dr strange uh, yeah <laughs> dr. so strange, yeah. the guy who looks like tony stark but isn't um dr strange says there's <laughs> only one in 140 million eventualities where we succeed and therefore i'm gonna do what i can to make that happen And and the joke is that the kind of key moment that allows the whole time travel to happen, which allows them to get the Infinity Stones, which allows them, you know, to win the day, is all because a little mouse walks over a button and brings back sort of the time travel option. Uh, And I'm not the first one to point this out, but it's sort of amazing that the symbol of Disney, which now owns, what is it, a quarter of Hollywood, uh, the symbol of Disney, a little mouse, is sort of what saved the day in Avengers Endgame. You guys, did you guys catch that? Did you hear about that? Do you think that was intentional? That's the first I'm hearing of it, but I like it. Yeah, same. Yeah, so I read an interview where the directors say more or less they did that very self-referentially. They're like, yeah, you know, we owe it to our, the Disney president or you know, power the the powers that be that pay for this whole thing. So we wanted to give a little uh, Disney shout out there. Um, it almost happens too quickly to
0: notice. Yeah, it was like, really it was... like brushed over. Like, oh, this whole universe was saved by a mouse.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised the mouse doesn't show up at the funeral at the end of the movie, no? no yeah, that would have like, been a pretty good shot. You just see, like, a
0: close-up <laughs> on the mouse being all emotional, start crying.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm happy to jump to talk about, to do our rankings for the MCU at this point, unless, if either you guys feel there's something of End Games we haven't given credit to, because we have, you know, we haven't really maybe given the movie its own credit as a movie. We sort of just spoke about different elements of it within the uh, the larger Marvel universe. You know, just looking at this as a movie, not looking at it as a Marvel movie or whatnot, you would say this goes toe to toe. Like this will stand the test of time. Jeez, it's
0: so hard to say because obviously I don't feel like it stands on its own as a movie because I feel like going into this without having seen any of the previous Marvel movies, uh, you re- you just really don't get anywhere close to as much out of it as someone who has seen all of them has that background. Uh, but I mean, like as far as technical things go. Uh, you know, it's very well directed, very well acted. Um, I think all the dialogue is really well written. Um, so in that department, I've, I think it does stand up to a lot of other really great classic movies.
1: Ah, uh, is this your? Is this on your top five, top three right now for the year, or is it your number one for the year? This is my number
2: one movie of the year so far. Um, oh wow! I I I, I can't predict that, that it'll stay my number one movie of the year. You know, obviously it depends on what happens to the rest of the year, but I expect that it'll end the year very close to the top of my list. This was you know, it's it's how you, you know, analyze a movie is you know, there's different ways. This is the most fun I've had watching a movie in a movie theater in as long as i can remember um you know it was a three-hour movie that just flew by i was had a smile on my face or was like basically sobbing at every point of this movie i just totally loved it obviously as we've all said this is not anything close to a standalone movie if you haven't seen at least a bunch of these movies you're going to be totally lost you're not going to get any of the jokes you're not going to get any of the references you probably won't even understand the plot so you know I guess that's a legitimate criticism of the movie that it doesn't work standalone to an extent. But, you know, at this point, who's going to see End Avengers Endgame who hasn't seen any of the other Marvel movies? So I don't, it's kind of a, a, a theoretical criti- criticism in my mind. Uh,
1: yeah. Look, the fact that it's your number one, and I, got, I have the sense sort of from Will, it's probably right up there as well. It's not my top five. Uh, but again, you know, I'm not the audience. I didn't go see it in theaters, and I'm not the audience that they were looking for. So, you know, I think it stands on its own merits, as far as you guys are saying. Let, let, you want to jump to MCU? Because I feel that's one yeah. there's so much really to get into.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Sure. Okay. C- can I ask,
1: uh, I'll ask Av, as, as our special guest, as our Marvel expert, so putting him on the spot, do you know what the very first, and don't Google this or anything, obviously, what was the very first Marvel feature
2: film? Um, I'm going to guess it's, it's uh, what's it called? It's the one that they reference in uh, Guardians of the Post credit scene. With,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um... Howard the Duck. Do you can just
1: describe it. Yes. Was that you, Will? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently he even shows up in the finale battle, Howard the oh, Duck. Really? Oh, really? I really? that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a movie made in 1986, basically by George Lucas, who actually quit Lucas Films in order to make this and then other movies. Uh, he didn't direct it, but he was the power behind it. Uh, and it was, for years, rated one of the worst movies ever made. Um, but... In some way, you know, in 1986, it sort of started off the whole Marvel universe. So,
0: not the MCU, but the MU. Yeah, I watched it a couple of weeks ago, actually, for the first time. And it's uh, very bad. It lives <laughs> up to the to the hype. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so, Will, maybe, can you explain this? And, you know, if you need an assist from Ov by all means. Mm-hmm. There's been over 50 movies. I looked this up. There's been 52 movies based on Marvel characters, starting with Howard the Duck. Some people include a movie in the 30s made about Captain America, but, you know, ignore that. What does it mean when we say there are 22 MCU movies? Like I, my favorite character. Um, so I'll nerd out for a moment. Mm-hmm. I should have maybe said this in the beginning. I never read comics really, but I used to collect and buy uh, cards, like Marvel cards, hero cards, and I had like, I had like. 600 of them, and I don't know why I collected them. They just were sort of cool, and, you know, they were like baseball cards for nerds, I guess. Um, So I had a lot of those as a kid, and my favorite card was always Ghost Rider, and so when the Ghost Rider movies came out, as horrible as they were, I really enjoyed them, because I was like, man, Ghost Rider, he's so awesome. He's by far the best hero. But Ghost Rider's not in the MCU. So what does it mean when we say there's like 50 Marvel movies, and there's 22 MCU?
0: Yeah, so it's really just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is this... Uh, like, sort of, shared timeline of movies made by Marvel Studios. Uh, and, like, all the other ones, like Ghost Rider, Fantastic Four, like any of the X Men movies, those are, like, Marvel characters, but they aren't created by Marvel Studios.
1: Okay. But then again, you know, there's multiple Hulk movies out there. As I said, you know, I get Captain, Captain America, I guess, was made in the 30s. That doesn't count. But, okay, so you're saying MCU is a pretty defined, it's part yeah. of a story, and it's all been made in a defined period of time by one studio.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, and, the, and these twenty-two, um, the one that the, the word you were looking for earlier, they've since this movie have started calling this the Infinity Saga. These twenty-two movies, uh, which is now completed, and starting with Spider-Man: Far From Home, which is coming out later this summer, will be you know the next phase of the MCU. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a great bridge then into our ranking. What we did, uh, the three of us, uh, with the help of the internet. We put together our own rankings for all 22 movies, and then we also added in about 45 other online rankings. So we put together 50 different rankings for the 22 MCU movies. We averaged them all together. We got, I would say, you know, modestly, the most authoritative ranking for the 22 MCU movies, averaged it all together, and Avin Will, of course, made their own ranking. So what I'm going to suggest we do is let's take that consensus all the experts compiled together And let's compare that to what you have Will and you have of um, And one way to sort of do that simply Is that the numbers I have here And I can share this later in the Facebook group It shows clearly that there's a three tiered structure 22 movies, it falls really nicely That there's a top 10 Then there's sort of 9 mediocre grades And then there's a consensus bottom 3 So let's maybe start with the bottom tier And if you guys disagree uh, You know let, it's, let let your voices be known um, and otherwise, maybe just you can highlight why these movies were so bad. Uh, the bottom three consensus is number 22, Incredible Hulk, which came out a while ago. Number 21, Thor, number two, The Dark World. And number 20, Iron Man 2. Uh, what is it with Iron Man 2? Why does it sink so badly given that it has, you know, Robert Downey Jr., who's sort of the hero of all these movies? Yeah, so,
2: you know, Iron Man 2 is is a pretty disappointing follow-up to the original. Um, it just... I. My recollection—I've—I saw it probably about eight months ago. Is the most recent time I rewatched it. Um, it's just not as funny. The—the the villain in it is—is is more cartoonish. There's just less at stake. Uh, it's just—it's kind of just missing all of that charm of the original Iron Man, um, and it just—it really doesn't work. um I don't think it's a horrible movie, you know, judged by the standards of the rest rest of the MCU. I think it's, you know, close to the bottom, if not the bottom. Some people have it as the worst. But, you know, it's a perfectly watchable superhero movie if you're into that. So, you know, I I think that's just a kind of also a general comment on the quality of these movies as a whole, that even the bad
1: ones are not that bad. Will and Iron Man 2, Thor 2, and Incredible Hulk, you have those toward the bottom of your list as well? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's we all pretty much agree, right? That those three are those are the seller of the MC.
0: Yeah, they're really just like more forgettable than anything else. It's, you know, like no nothing that anyone is talking about now from those movies. Like Iron Man 2 and Thor 2 especially are just like follow-ups to movies where this character, like the main character went on a like a growth arc throughout the movie. And then the second movie, they're just like the same character that you saw last time.
1: Yeah, I mean, sequels are normally, I feel, one of the hardest things to do right. I mean, you look around so many series, and the number two often doesn't turn out. I mean, with kids, usually the second kid is the best. Um, as the Chester family, shout out yeah, to the yeah. Chesters, I could say. But uh, otherwise, otherwise, it can be hard to hit. Well, l- let's tra- unless you guys want to talk more about bad movies, uh, I think they're bad. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe I'll
2: just sequels. add that, you know, it's the, the irony, yeah. of course, is that Thor 2 The Dark World plays a huge role in this movie, which I don't know if that was a troll job, or just that was the way it had to work, but, uh, you know... If you're out there, go, go rewatch Thor: yeah. the Dark World before you go see Avengers: Endgame. For some reason,
1: yeah, you you wonder like, the, do the the movie guys, the Russell brothers, who directed Endgame, did they try to call back to the better ones? But apparently not. They just sort yeah. of called back to I, I think where just it had fit to fit with the
2: Timeline that they were going for. Um, and the Incredible Hulk will just you know point out that it's a, it's a different character play, a different actor playing the Hulk. Um, it's Edward Norton instead of Mark Ruffalo, so that obviously makes it a little bit different in terms of continuity. Um, the Hulk is also just, I think, in general has been a very challenging character for them to fit in just because the simple reason that he's a Hulk and when he's when he's in superhero form, he just grunts and doesn't talk. Obviously, I think what they did with him in this movie was, was pretty cool um, and it just made it work a lot better. Um, but I think there's a reason why the Incredible Hulk movie hasn't had sequels
1: yeah it's interesting as we look through these which characters have had standalones and which characters haven't and sort of the politics and the, and the character behind that uh, going back to the consensus ranking they have number 19 is Thor number 18 I'll do the next I'll do the next three or four I'll do the next four maybe and then your guys take on that so they have 19 is Thor 18 is Avengers Age of Ultron which uh, you know is I guess what the second time they put everyone all together Avengers 2 in a sense 17 is Ant-Man and 16 is Captain Marvel. And I think that's sort of a good place to end. Of those of those four, which are sort of in the bottom half of what I would call the nine mediocre... Uh, you guys can disagree with my uh, naming of this tier. But the middle tier, there's nine movies. The bottom four, do you disagree with any of those? Do you think there's anything unfair there? Captain Marvel, the most recent of those.
0: And then Ant-Man 1, Avengers 2, and Thor. Um, I think I'm, I'm lower on Avengers, Age of Ultron than most people. Uh, like judging from, well, even judging from like this ranking. Um, I think that was like really the low point of the franchise where they started trying to set up for like five different sequels at once and forgot about the actual movie they were trying to make and were instead just thinking about uh, what we're doing next.
1: What do you, I mean, Will, Will, what do you need in a good Marvel, in a good MCU movie? I mean, you can tick it off the list. You need what, a great villain good lines, a bit of humor, like, there's ingredients, no? And you're saying Ultron didn't have them? It did not have heart. That is the most important thing. And,
2: and I think the villain, you know, we Marvel gets criticized for having these, like, faceless villains who you know just don't really have an interesting plot other than just wanting to destroy the whole world and that's, like, Age of Ultron is that to the tenth degree. It's, like, literally AI that wants to destroy all of existence. Um, it's just, that's much less compelling than... Conflict that's grounded grounded in humanity.
1: Yeah, I think Captain Marvel then to me is sort of is most interesting because it's clearly the most important for the MCU right now. It's the movie that came out what is it last month, a month and a half ago, and this consensus ranking had it down at sixteen. There was a whole controversy when it came out because some sort of more male fanboys uh, were dismissing it a bit. You guys maybe can correct me. I don't know what came first the the gendered criticism or the gendered advocacy. I think the advocacy came first. Uh, but what I sort of heard, and I didn't see the movie, and I don't mind not
0: seeing the movie, I just heard people said it was kind of flat. It's very neutral. Yeah, I mean, what, what I mainly liked about it was everything with Samuel L. Jackson. Like, the character of Captain Marvel herself is, like, a very bland character. Very, She's, like, very perfect and doesn't really have any flaws and doesn't really have much of an arc throughout the movie except for her, like, realizing how great she is. Um, as far as, like, the gendered stuff, i that's, like, a really chicken-or-the-egg type scenario. And, yeah, that's been talked to death yeah, at this point. Yeah, no, we don't have to get into the gender stuff. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's intentional. Oh, this is intentional
1: that there's, like, a Captain Marvel starting off the next phase, and the first phase was kind of, at least chronologically, started off by Captain America. Like, Captain America literally is the first Avenger, and now, like, Captain Marvel is sort of the first Avenger for the next uh, group. Is, is that intentionally so, because also Captain America was pretty bland. Yeah, it might
2: be, and uh, it was pretty obvious from this movie that they realized that they have what I would call a Captain Marvel problem in in this world, insofar as they basically mm. had to sideline her for everything other than the first five minutes and the last five minutes of the movie, because frankly, she's too powerful if she was involved in the whole plot. She can move galaxies, whichever whatever that even means. That's you know beyond the capacity of my brain to really understand what her powers are, but you know, she comes in, she defeats Thanos in like eight seconds, and then she says, Okay, I'm gonna have to go leave for the
1: next two hours and forty five minutes. Captain Marvel is just way too overpowered and it throws a so a quick question I'll throw out to you guys then, because I find the movies I like more by and large in the MCU are where the heroes are either fighting each other or they're fighting sort of human level, earthbound level enemies. And when it gets too intergalactic crazy that's when it sort of loses me. Because also I feel like, what is Captain America doing fighting in space against, like, uh, against an enemy it, that can move galaxies? But that obviously in the comics is yeah, fundamental. Yeah, you're, you're so.
2: exactly right. And, you know, the, and I, I think that's another reason why uh, going back to Avengers Age of Ultron is very centered on Vision and Scarlet Witch and these characters that have these powers that are just very intangible. I don't even you know, fully understand what they can do, what they can't do. How are you having these guys fight against Captain America who's just very strong? It just—it doesn't make any sense, but I. Yeah,
1: I think I think Marvel does it better than DC. I mean, I didn't see any of the full DC movies. At least I tried not to. But Batman, in particular, I mean, Batman to me should be fighting criminals are like glorified criminals like joker that are just weird he shouldn't be fighting yeah. intergalactic beings like when batman is fighting intergalactic beings you're messing yeah. with the I, would, I would
2: say a way, a way of framing it which i've heard said, which i thought was clever was that captain america uh captain marvel basically renders all of the other avengers into hawkeye
1: yeah <laughs> that's pretty good though hawkeye in this Fair movie point. is sort of pushed into a way as we talk talk about like endgame sorry this movie in endgame Hawkeye is given uh, I thought a great character development as well but it, once you have to do that to every single character you start losing the the series so any th- of those four movies you think were unjustly rated by the consensus Marvel well, not and really I'm saying they're all sort of in yeah the, in I, the I, I think I'm, I'm a bit
2: higher on specifically yeah. Captain Marvel than that but I don't have it in the top ten so you know nothing too egregious in
1: life okay okay sounds good so l- let me do the rest in the mediocre category as I said these nine movies. Um, And I'll just count them up Number 15 we have Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp Number 14 is Doctor Strange Number 13 is Iron Man 3 Number 12 is Guardian of the Galaxies 2 And number 11 is Captain Captain America, the first Avenger Um, Now what's interesting I can tell you about those Is that three of those movies There was the biggest variance in general And those were Doctor Strange, some people love it and a lot of people hate it. Iron Man 3, very similar. Some people had it as, you know, top, top. And Guardian of the Galaxies 2, most people hate, but sort of high-end artists, uh, high-end artsy-fartsy types sort of liked it a bit more, I noticed. Were any of those of those five movies, Ant-Man 2, Doctor Strange, Iron Man 3, Guardian of the Galaxies 2, and Captain America, you think the ranking is unfair there? They should be higher?
0: Uh, yeah, all of those are ones where I'm like, yeah, that was, that was like a fine movie. Uh, nothing that i need to like watch again um i definitely don't have any like major issues with those being in in this in this tier
2: yeah i i sorry to be boring but i totally agree that's you know that's basically exactly where i have all of those movies um they're all they're all good i would say uh, of those captain America the first avenger is my favorite um i might even move that into the top tier i really love that movie and i just love the the arc that they've given Steve Rogers slash Captain America from that very first movie through the last movie I think it, you know if there's one like franchise within the franchise that I would say everyone should watch it's the three Captain America movies I think those are you know the best three uh, three movies through movie stretch
1: obviously showing your cards for for the top top movie in your ranking but uh, you don't, I don't want you to spoil even this is an episode of spoilers I don't want you to spoil yourself uh, my take on those I think is that I love Doctor Strange. I've it. Uh, I'm, I've only seen 16 of the 22 movies. So of the 16, I have Doctor Strange at 9, uh, which I guess is in the middle. But still, I, what I love about Doctor Strange, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the visuals are really fun. And then Ob sort of referred to this earlier. I love how yes. the ending of Doctor Strange is unique. The ending of Doctor Strange is not – and it can't be. It's not just a bunch of people shooting lasers at each other. I guess it could be because he, he does shoot lasers, which is annoying. But beyond that, the ending is done so elegantly that even though it's essentially an Iron Man remake – it, the ending and the visuals are so trippy. It's a lot. There's a lot of Inception-style stuff that I think Doctor Strange gets a bad rap, and I would love if it was higher than 14. Um, I don't know if you guys disagree about that. I mean, you, you guys sort of more or less agreed it's in the middle. Like, it doesn't jump out of the yeah, queue. Yeah, it's definitely
0: in the middle for me. Um, like, my main problem with Iron Man is, like, the last act where it's just Iron Man fighting, like, an evil version of Iron Man. Uh, but Doctor Strange, for me, like, the strongest aspect is the last act where it really takes a diversion from the typical people punching each other uh, to solve their problems. Um, and I really liked the visuals of it as well. So, you know, um, I, I would have it around like the middle of the pack, but I'm with you in that. I think it gets a little bit too, too much of a bad rap.
1: When I started my rankings, I was like, oh, I'm going to put Doctor Strange in the top five, and then it ended up just having to be pushed lower and lower down to number nine, in my case. Uh, so, which is, you know, as good as entry as any as to what is the top ten, because I was really struck by the way all the rankings average together, there is a very clear top ten. Um, and you guys, your rankings do not agree on this completely. Though, Av, I think the closest of the three of us, probably had most of the top ten in his top ten. But l- l- let's jump into the top ten, shall we? Yeah, of course. Okay, number ten, Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming. Number nine, Avengers Infinity War. And number eight, Captain America Civil
0: Yeah, all really
1: great movies. So you're... Any disagreements? I mean, they're putting Avengers: Infinity War all the way down. Yeah, I would have nine. it. I would have it much higher than That's... that, personally. Yeah, same. I, um,
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't... okay. Well, uh, will you can't you can't agree with me if you disagree? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm. I agree that they should be in the top ten. Uh, I feel like ranking things like this is just so subjective, but. Uh, oh it's not subjective when, when you make a ranking your ranking is
1: like live or die like you go to bat with your ranking like i will tell you you guys had different number one rankings than me and i'll say you're completely wrong and I'll, you know it's it's my objectively true subjective ranking that's kind of that's also my belief on i guess religion but yeah that's my belief on rankings for sure it is completely true in my eyes uh so you're saying avengers infinity war at number nine is a, is, a, is a shame it's a Shonda
2: yeah I'll yeah I'll step in I I think that in my opinion Avengers Infinity War is at the top or very close to the top of the MCU I, I thought it was an astounding movie um Seeing Endgame only makes it better, in my opinion. The the two of them together is just um, in five and a half hour epic. It's one of the great achievements in in recent film, as far as I'm concerned.
1: What do you think are the problems in Infinity War that might have pushed it down? What what I will say, uh, what I will say. Sorry, well, quickly is that Mm -hmm. I I also put together and I'll share this with uh, the listeners movies that were rated number one overall and the top three movies all had five or more number one ratings the only other movie to have five or more and had seven was Infinity War mm. so I think that's striking that there's a good number of people out there that this is, this is top top as you guys are saying
0: yeah I think it just gets this low because some people have it more towards the bottom just because there isn't much of like character arcs it's a lot of like big fight scenes that's like most of what the movie is really and I think for the people who don't enjoy that, even though I feel like the, the fight scenes in this movie are, like, much more creative than a lot of, like, last act, just everyone punching each other, like, the stuff with Doctor Strange and uh, Spider-Man fighting Thanos, um, I feel like it's much more uh, creative and varied than a lot of fight scenes in this type of movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. What I the one I'm curious about is not so much Avengers because you know it's too kind of similar to Endgame in my mind where I think it's great, uh, but I think sort of maybe Endgame is that and more is the Spider-Man movie, which is the following. There's been so many Spider-Man movies made. I don't even know how many, but there were just a bunch being made uh, when I was in high school maybe or definitely in college. And the first few ones, correct me if I'm wrong, people really liked them, right? With Tobey Maguire? Yeah. People those really like them. So, where so where would you put this Spider-Man versus those? And do you think it being within the MCU makes it a better Spider-Man movie or a worse Spider-Man movie? Because I I found that I think the MCU sort of constricts it. It sort of forces it to be a, yeah. a certain. Uh, kind in my of opinion, movie. the best uh, the best Spider-Man
2: movie other than Into the Spider-Verse, which is totally separate. The best Spider-Man movie is a movie called Captain America: Civil War, uh, where Spider-Man only makes a cameo, introducing t- this version of Spider-Man, which mm-hmm. I think is by far the best version of the three different. Franchises. Tom Holland is just, I think, captures that just youthful playfulness and and naivety of, of a, a, a young kid who's just in over his head as Spider-Man and it's just like, they're having fun and cracking jokes. Um, it's just a much more refreshing portrayal of Spider-Man than I think either of the previous two. Uh, even though I do think the Tommy Maguire versions were very good movies, I just don't think he was pr- particularly great.
1: Yeah. So you actually... Would you say, did the MCU-ness of Spider-Man Homecoming, or in this case, Captain America Civil War, did that contribute to a better Spider-Man? you think it was just, they've gotten really great at casting, and they've gotten really great at building this universe, so they were able to create a better Spider-Man? Meaning, did MCU help Spider-Man be a better Spider-Man here, or did it detract?
0: So I think uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is Man Homecoming is my number three uh, on my list. And I think it works that well in spite of the MCU-ness, because I think... Well, Tom Holland is just such a great Spider-Man. He really captures the innocence, the, the like, naivety, but also, um, like, wanting to make the world a better place. And I think it is brought down by his, like, the way he's kind of intertwined with Tony Stark and the way, like, uh, Iron Man keeps, like, butting into the movie and making it, like, not really a Spider-Man movie as much as it is, like, a kind of MCU crossover movie. It's fun that Birdman is in the movie though, or whatever yeah, he's they call Bird it. <laughs> yeah, Birdman. But
1: it's just so yeah. It's so weird. Michael Keaton went from you know this guy we all knew was an original superhero to being this really great independent flick, which had superhero themes, to then being Birdman. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, one of the best MCU villains, I think. Agreed, uh, Michael.
1: To my mind, that's sort of one of the things I think that MCU lends to Spider-Man: Homecoming and to some of these movies is that they have such a polished, mature, confident way of making superhero movies now that they're able to sort of do these things self-referential in ways that, in the past, you know, a standalone Spider-Man what didn't have the chops to do that. Um, so yeah, so I while I disagree, I mean, I think I like the old uh, Tobey Maguire ones a bit more. Um, both in character and... The, I, I agree, there's something that they're able to do now in a so, better way. On,
2: on that point, um, just to, uh, to circle back for, to Endgame for a second, one thing we didn't really mention, um, you know, so I went into this movie, I was, you know, it was getting gl- glowing reviews, but I was still nervous, you know, we have been waiting a year to see this movie, really excited about it, you know, don't want to be disappointed, and basically, like, five, ten minutes into the movie where they basically kill off Thanos right away, and then do this five-year time jump that both of which totally blew my mind, and then just, from there I was totally settled in that, okay, these guys know what they're doing, this is going to be awesome. They just have, that's that's such a, a confident move as a filmmaker to basically take the thing that you thought the entire movie was going to build up to, and do it in the first scene of the movie, essentially, and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh my god, I don't know what this movie is going to be about anymore. It was just amazing.
1: Yeah. I I didn't realize this now until we're speaking about it, but I think the last time I've seen a superhero series or whatever it is, where I felt the director had such command, and the movie maker had such command and confidence within the superhero world would be Chris Nolan's Batman. I mean, I felt with Chris Nolan, he had, and you know, he's a tremendous filmmaker, but it isn't that. It's, it's just, I felt that he had such command and confidence in using Batman that it was, it, would, it was reflected in the entire experience we were having. But yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. That was awesome in Endgame as well, um, which is a great segue into Endgame because while Ed, we're, we, were, we left off at number eight, Captain America Civil War, right? Yeah, I, be- I believe so. Uh, yeah, so yeah. to do the next, let's do the next four and then we'll leave the last three for the end. The next four in the, top 10, in the top 22 ranking, number seven is Iron Man, the original, the movie that started the whole MCU in some ways. Number six is The Avengers, number 5 is Thor 3 Ragnarok and number 4 is Endgame the movie that we started off and that we've all seen comments on these 4 fair ranking, you would put Iron Man down at number 7, you think Avengers should be in the middle there, all of these 4 films got 3 or 2 number 1 overall rankings, Endgame only got 2 but some people hadn't included it some, a number of the rankers only did 21 because they haven't seen Endgame maybe um, so I think Endgame will get a few more number 1s as I've sort of said earlier any of these movies are just don't deserve to be in top 10 Yeah, so the, the one that i would you know and
2: i think i'm just like out of the consensus on this is the original avengers just um i i don't think it's that great um i actually i saw it for the first time when it came out and i hated it but i hadn't seen all the movies up until then so i think i was just a little confused about all the characters and what was going on i ended up rewatching it and then obviously i enjoyed it a little bit more but i still don't really understand what people love about it so much um it just I think it's just a little immature compared to the later movies. Um, it's its too much of, like, getting the gang together for my taste. I think that, you know, I've heard many people who gush about it are just, like, the real comic book fanboys who just were totally in awe of the fact that this movie even existed. They, you know, they've just been waiting their whole life to see these characters on screen together. And I think that might explain for a lot of people why it was just such an incredible experience for them. But... You know, Otherwise, I don't really have a good explanation. It's a, it's a movie that I've never adored the way so many people do. Um, it bothers me in a way that it doesn't because there's there are lots of people I know who have this as their number one movie of the entire MCU, and I have it pretty close to the bottom.
1: Yeah, I, it was toward the bottom of my 16 as well. I, I, I would tend to agree with you. I think what... Av, you said this earlier, that one of the high points of Endgame for you is when all the characters appear together in that big battle, and I think that on a smaller level, but for the first time... Is what Avengers captures for people. Um, What I'm struck by is, I thought Thor number three, Thor Ragnarok, to me, that's a movie that I would recommend. I mean, we can talk about this at the end. Like, what are you know the the one or two movies you'd recommend to first timers or to people who don't like Marvel movies? I would recommend Thor three, Ragnarok, to someone who does not like superhero movies and say, start with this. This should be your sort of first dip into the MCU to sort of convince you how great these movies can be.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think Thor Thor Ragnarok is the closest any uh, MCU movie comes to just being like a straight-up comedy. And I think having Taika Waititi as the director and that really helped it out. And it's really not even connected that much to the rest of the movies, which, again, I think helps it to like any outsiders. No,
1: but I think it is. I think it is because, you know, you have Thor just bumbling on his way and then he runs into the Hulk and like, he runs into another significant character within the Avengers and immediately makes it feel like, oh, this is a MCU movie. I had it number two overall, and I, you know, I think it being only number five is insulting. It's just such a fun movie. And the scenes that were like Ragnaroky in Endgames, I really liked, even though I guess it's just one of them. Um, but, you know, neither of you guys had it in your top three. Yeah, I
0: mean, I had it at number four. It's very close to top three.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I have it a little bit lower than that. Um, but it, it's honestly, it's not a knock on the movie. I, I really enjoyed Thor 3. I, I think it's a really good movie. I think it's hilarious. As we said earlier, the way they reinvented the Thor character is amazing. Um, I think I just happen to love some of these other movies a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, Avel, we can you can wait to answer the question if it'll spoil some of your top picks. But has the movie that you would recommend to a first-time MCU watcher, has it not been mentioned yet? Um... It doesn't have to be the best movie. It doesn't have to be the number 1, but it can just be it's the movie that you think will sort of be a light touch, a nice entry, hook them. Yeah, I
2: I was I would say it's still to be mentioned. Okay.
1: So so let, let's go there. We left off with Endgame. Endgame was number 4, and now we have the top 3. The top 3 were tight as I said. Event um what was it? Avengers Infinity War got seven number ones. All top 3 got a lot of number ones. The number 3 movie got 9 number 1's, the number 2 movie got 5 number 1's, and the number 1 movie got 11. So the number 1 movie I think stands on its own credentials. Um, let's do the number two first. I feel that's what they always do on TV shows, right? <laughs> do they? Uh, right, they, they always do. When there's, three, when there's 3 people left, they always first say like on Survivor and stuff, or whatever it is, they always first say the number 2, and then it's sort of who's going home with the gold, who's going home with number 1, and who's just sort of third place and no one cares about. Um, but yeah, but the number 2 of the top 3 is Guardians of the Galaxy. To me, that was my number one. I think that's completely not an MCU movie. I don't think it's a superhero movie, which is why I love it so much. To me, it's the most fun of all 22. I wouldn't recommend someone see it because if you want to see... If you, I mean, I wouldn't recommend someone who wants to get to know MCU watch Guardians because to me, Guardians is just a really, really fun sci-fi movie disagree you guys you think it's it's MCU enough
0: I agree I think it's a really fun movie it's really hilarious Uh, the only thing keeping it down for me is uh, everything with like Ronan the accuser and all the like blue and purple people I was just like so out of it during any of those scenes yeah I mean I thought I, I thought the bad guy in Guardians was like this petulant child
1: so it was sort of funny. Like, he was trying to be really scary, but he kept on being stamped
2: on Yeah, so, I mean, what's great about Guardians is just, you know, the experience of spending time with those characters, the fun with them, the emotion with them. If you, like, literally sit down and read the plot summary of Guardians of the Galaxy on Wikipedia, it's, like, almost gibberish. It's... You know, there's all these different people, and they're, they're trying to get this thing to that thing. It's like you, there's no way you would ever be able to understand what was in what happens in this movie just from reading about it. It's totally just experiential, just spending time with this group of people together. Um, you know, the unlikeliest group of people to come together and save the world time and the, time and again. It's just a ton of fun. Um, I absolutely love Guardians. Um, it's 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 not the movie that I would say if you want to hear, see the MCU. Here is a great example of it, but it might be the movie that I would say if you don't necessarily like superhero movies or the MCU or these big franchises. Here's the one that you might enjoy nonetheless.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, when I saw Guardians, just to put it in context, I didn't know it was an MCU movie. I, I hadn't <laughs> I read
0: think.
1: any of the. I hadn't read any of the prep. I didn't really know what the logo meant at the beginning. Again, I'm a non-MCU guy. I sort of just stumbled into these movies, being like, "Oh, it's Iron Man. I like him as a kid. You know, I had a lot of his cards." Um, so when I saw Guardians, I just thought it was, I think I was on an airplane. You know, <laughs> there you go. I don't really <laughs> see movies in theaters. As usual. And, yeah, and it was just like, wow, this is really fun. And I loved it. I loved it. And to this day, like, it's the most fun I had watching an MCU movie. Uh, but I didn't know I was watching something that involved, I don't know, guys with capes punching people. Is there punching in Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, There's there's, there's some punching. There's a guy who only punches.
0: Yeah, I think Gamora, like, punches some people, for sure. No, but
1: there's a big, strong guy with his... Drax. Drax the Destroyer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Drax only punches people,
0: but, you know, he's allowed to. He doesn't have much else to do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you guys both know what the one and the three are. Um, And, you know, any real MCU listener, uh, even non-MCU listeners, can probably guess one of the two finalists, because it's a movie that has become a you know, Cultural Milestone, Oscars, top boxer, it's number one ever for uh, for box office. So one of the two finalists is Black Panther. And the other finalists, I think non-MCU Marvel fans would not be able to guess. Is that fair? Would you agree, Av, that someone who doesn't really closely follow would not think that one of the two finalists for the number one spot would be uh, would be the movie that Absolutely. Is. I mean, I, I think it's a movie
2: that doesn't get enough fanfare. It's kind of was just, like, lost in the middle of it. Um, but it's, it's, in my opinion, a, an incredible movie. I think we all agree it's a, a very strong movie. And obviously the uh, consensus ranking agrees that it's one of the very top movies, if not the top movie. Um, of course, we're talking about Captain America, The Winter Soldier.
1: There you go. Yeah, Captain America, Winter Soldier is number one. And Black Panther, which got the second-to-most number-one votes... And people who love it, you know, put it up there on the Mount Rushmore. And these are all on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, Black Panther is number three. So the top three are Captain America Winter Soldier, which is like Captain America 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, and at this point Black Panther, I guess we can say 1. Av, come at me because you wanted Black Panther number one. Black
2: Panther is, is I think, the best movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I think that it transcends the rest of the movies in a way that makes it a movie that is about right now about the things going on in the world the things that we're all thinking and talking about on a daily basis while at the same time being an extremely fun extremely action packed just really great superhero movie um, it has Uh, Killmonger, who I think is either the best or the second best after Thanos, villain in the MCU, has a plot that as the the movie's going, you're conflicted about which side you think you're on, which is basically the best thing you could say about a villain in a movie, is that you start to empathize with him and kind of want him to win a little bit, even though you know he's not going to. Um, The... I thought the visuals of the technology and just building an entire civilization and world of Wakanda was just absolutely amazing, incredible to see on screen. Um, you know, I would say, you know, of, if if superhero movies are ultimately about wish fulfillment, then I think Black Panther is just like wish fulfillment on crack, of just having this civilization hidden in the middle of Africa that has that's the most t- technologically advanced mu- c- uh, civilization in the entire world, and they're grappling with this dilemma of should they be moving in or or branching out to the world which I think is you know the type of thing that we're all thinking about every single day
1: so I'll I have a question for Will about Black Panther but before I go there I've grown to like Black Panther more particularly in doing this ranking I as a non-Marvel guy sort of was sunk into the universe, and I put together all 50 rankings, and I kind of got a better sense of how things fit together. So I put Black Panther all the way up to number 10, which I thought it would be lower. And, you know, I think once you're in the top 10, you're, you're sort of gold status as far as Marvel movies go. Um, two things I've really grown to appreciate about it. One is, as you sort of referenced, uh, of, and we put out, we mentioned earlier, which is the movies where it's kind of humans fighting humans. It's more real, and the conflict, and the the the, the, the drama is more real than when they're fighting some sort of all-conquering Outer space, uh, you know, megalomaniac, and not only is Killmonger a good portrayed really well, and he has a good backstory, but I think the fact that it's like sort of a human fighting human, I think those are the movies that, that, that speak uh, that speak better and that work better on screen. And the sort of related thing to that, which I didn't realize last year when I was putting together movies, I was saying there was a lot of movies set in Oakland, and I don't recall putting Black Panther as one of those. But in some ways, Killmonger's he's portrayed as being born and raised in Oakland. And in many ways, uh, Wakanda is sort of Silicon Valley. So you have this sort of like Silicon Valley, San Francisco taking over or engaging with Oakland in its own interesting way. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. I was just sort of thinking about that while I while I kind of raised my appreciation for Black Panther, which you know for me was number ten, which I was sort of favorable about. Uh, Will, I'll throw it out to you, which is your thoughts on Black Panther being number three, almost being number one, certainly being number two overall in number one rankings. What does it say to you as a big MCU fan that they were able to take a super minor character, I believe in the comics, Black Panther is not one of the – Black Panther is nowhere near the Mount Rushmore of like Marvel heroes. He's had a comic book, whatever, but like no one was talking about him as like a Superman, Batman level guy you heard of, and the fact that they took such a relatively minor superhero – and in Av's terms made it into the best MCU. Yeah,
0: so I mean, I will say this is probably my biggest discrepancy like with my personal ranking against the uh, compiled ranking here. I have it all the way down at number 14. I definitely don't think it's a bad movie though. I think it's still very good. Um, I think a lot of what you said I I agree with Uh, everything about like the commentary on current political climate um, everything about like the world building of Wakanda I think Killmonger is probably the best villain in the MCU Um, What really... um, where I diverge though, I think is T'Challa as a character is probably like the worst part of the movie. He just, there's just like nothing interesting about him. Uh, none of the humor really works for me. Um, I also thought the action was just really poorly done. Um, Black Panther, like as a hero, uh, sort of like his power set isn't very conducive to like interesting action scenes. He's just sort of like, He's nimble. vulnerable to things. Yeah he's, yeah, he's nimble, I guess. He's
1: nimble and he's invulnerable. I mean, Will, will you're not being, I think, fair enough. You rated this movie neck and neck with Ant-Man. And Ant-Man, yeah. to me, is the epitome of a mediocre Marvel movie. Now, to Marvel fans, mediocre Marvel movies are amazing. So, you know, put that into context. To me, mediocre Marvel movies are sort of like, eh. But when you're saying you still like Black Panther, you put Black Panther next to Ant-Man. And I think right in between Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2. So that you're not being I think full frank enough with us in your sort of low in your in you know how you view this movie. I mean, to people like Av who Black Panther is up there as number 1 and you have him like rolling with the Paul Rudd's of the world, that's a lot of hate. <laughs> that's a lot of hate, which I can respect because as a former anti Black Panther fan,
0: uh, I have a soft spot. Yeah, I mean, I really just don't think if there's like there's not a lot of there there. I, yeah there's not a lot of there there i enjoy like the conversation around black panther uh and like it like what it's done for like uh you know like setting this great example for like black filmmaking and everything but i think the movie itself just isn't that interesting and it's very long and drawn out um it's a lot of like waiting for things to happen and it don't and there's like the whole third act fight sequence of like black panther fighting just a evil version of Black Panther, basically.
1: Yeah, though, to be fair, a lot of the origin movies, like Iron Man and whatnot, that's kind of what happens, I feel, in origin movies. Even in Endgame, you know, they got a nice little Captain America versus Captain America. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think I there's think something said. I, I think Black Panther is going to age a lot better than a lot of these movies. I think Guardians of the Galaxy will age really well. Um, Captain America Winter Soldier, we haven't really given it any, any respect. I mean, Av just introduced it. Uh, do you want to give a mm-hmm. sense as to why do you think Captain America: Winter Soldier was consensus number one? Got by far the most number one votes. You know, people can see the the data later and how the numbers added up, but Captain America was far out in front, and this is a movie people had to. Yeah, heard of, so I would say it one. is
2: interesting that the top three: Black Panther, Guardians, and Winter Soldier are, are all what, in, in my opinion either completely or very close to being standalone movies that really don't require having seen much else to basically get it. Um, Captain America The Winter Soldier is just really, in addition to being a good, a very good MCU movie, is just a really good action spy mystery movie. Um, it just has really good characters with a good plot, that are you know trying to understand what's going on it has what you know i think is probably the best action sequence of the entire mcu uh talking back to earlier we you know we said that when it's a little bit more unconventional rather than the big battles the the scene where nick fury played by sam jackson gets attacked by the winter soldier in the streets with his car is just an unbelievable i yeah. think it's like a 15 or 20 minute sequence just absolutely unbelievable the uh yeah. the elevator scene that you mentioned earlier just the way it builds tension and we all know exactly what What's about to happen. Um, And it's just, it's just, it has you on the edge of your seat as watching him just take down everybody in those elevators. Um, The relationship between Steve Rogers and Bucky is just one of the central themes and heart of all of the MCU. Just those, a friendship between two people, you know, both men, totally platonic, just two people that just love each other for who they are and are, you know, Captain America just trying to redeem Bucky over the course of this entire universe is just one for me one of the most interesting parts of the entire
1: series. Yeah. And I think to my mind I think why it deserves to be number one is for what you mentioned, but even more so, which is I think all the way at the beginning of our discussion of Endgame, of you had said that Captain America is really the heart of this series. He's the emotional heart. And I don't think he he established that in this movie. He established that in Captain America Winter Soldier, the our number one MCU movie. And also to my mind it just it speaks to the It speaks to the fans, because most of these rankings were done by fans, and the fact that when all is said and done, the number one movie was also a movie that you're saying is on its own merits, a really good movie, put aside superheroes, it speaks to this entire series that they produce really great movies, even without the the capes and the punching, and that the fans recognize the quality, you know, they didn't put... Ant Man two, no disrespect. In number one, <laughs> you know they recognize quality and quality rises to the top. And to me, uh, as a non Marvel fan, that's a big compliment I can give to the Marvel world and the Marvel fans. Will, yeah, can you? Um, I, I think we can wrap up our MCU. I mean, hopefully, we'll have a chance in future's podcasts. You know, as the future Marvel movies come out, we'll have a chance to hit back and maybe you know update this ranking. in uh, who knows when? Um, but maybe just. Ended off for us, which was which was the first Marvel movie, MCU movie you saw. Were you
0: watching from the very beginning? I was not watching from the very beginning. The first one I ever saw was uh, the first Avengers movie, and I fell asleep. You fell asleep while watching it. The yeah, because I had no idea what was going on. I was like, "Who are these people? What are they fighting about?" Uh, I think similar to Av, uh, who saw it like before seeing him the other ones. I, I was just like not about it. Oh, so neither
1: one of you guys... You guys have both outed yourselves as not being cool nerds. You know, nowadays, nerds are cool. Neither one of you were nerds. You were both cool guys, like, outside, beating up the skinny kid. Absolutely. um, You know, and all of that. (laughs) And you... You were swallowed up by the MCU over the course of the series? Yeah, so I, mean, I
2: saw the original Iron Man in theaters, and I thought it was great. Um, although, I'll, you know, I'll out myself as when in the end credit sequence, when Nick Fury comes out and is talking about the Avengers initiative, I had no idea what he was talking about and didn't know why everyone else in my theater was freaking out. Um, but I, I thought the original Iron Man was really great um, I love the way that they basically called back to that movie at, at the end of this movie and just captured the entire spirit with Tony reading back the original line of I Am Iron Man basically the which I think is also the move of the MCU that kind of is part of what made it so great is that they basically got rid of the whole secret identities elements of superheroes for the most part, which I just always find to just be not interesting. I think the fact that they're just like, everyone knows who the Avengers are and they just do their thing and that leads to interesting conflict with the rest of humanity, I think just has made it a much better film series. Um, And just, you know, the way it came full circle on that, I thought was a really nice touch. Um, So so yes, I mean, I I ended up taking a little bit of a break after that, but I think by... By uh, you know, Captain America and the Avengers movies, I was I was back in.
1: Yeah. So l- let's let's close off this episode. Let's jump to our classics corner. I'll kind of give a last bit of a taste right before we get there by saying, what I like about what I've Ab said is that when you think of the DC universe, which is the big competition, the DC universe, it's all about Batman being like, "Can you guess my secret identity?" So I think the contrast there is nice. Ob, do we have you on the line? It's you're the guest. It's your it's your time. Classic Corner What have you seen In the last 30 plus days Not from 2019 And why Why do you like it
2: Um So I saw Last week I saw a movie Called Moon From 2009 That I had not seen before Starring Sam Rockwell Um I thought it was Pretty good Um I would even say it was you know I, en- I enjoyed it a lot I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everybody because it's a little slow paced and kind of just a little cerebral and m- might not be everyone's taste but I really enjoyed it um, it's very obviously you know trying to riff off 2001 A Space Odyssey with the people trapped in space and the talking computer um, who incidentally is voiced by Kevin Spacey so now I think this might become a recurring theme of this uh, segment of your of your podcast where yeah. we, we talk about old, Ke- Kevin, old Kevin, Kevin Spacey, Spacey movies yeah. Um, yeah but it's you know it's Sam Rockwell is is really great and I'm a fan of him in general it's a really simple plot um, I don't want to spoil anything about it but you know it, it kind of just explores very fundamental questions of humanity and what it what it means to be a person um, and you know different parts of your personality and how they interact with each other um, I would definitely recommend it I thought it was very good It's pre- I think it's pretty short I think it was like an hour 45 so you know pop it on one night it's on Netflix it was good
1: so, if you're listening to this episode from the beginning to the end, do not necessarily see High Life and go to Moon instead and see a, a much better sci-fi, thoughtful movie. Uh, Will,
0: how about you? How about you? Yeah. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw Catch Me If You Can for the first time. Oh, uh, Will, you're killing us here Yeah, I know <laughs> I'm just seeing like, The Departed these... <laughs> and Catch Me If You Can <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean At least I'm, like, finally seeing these classic movies That I never yeah. never checked out Will, maybe, but, in, yeah, maybe instead mean... of
2: seeing 200 movies from 2019 See, like, 160 movies from 2019 And fill in a bunch of old stuff
0: yeah, that seems like a better idea rather than watching like the, uh, the curse of law your Yeah, the the, no gonna the bottom fifty it.
2: movies of the year you could cut out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because will also you're a college student. I recall on college campus they often have they have theaters that will show. I'm an accountant. I'm not in college anymore. Oh, I thought I thought you're sorry when, when you said when you said you're in your twenties. I assume everyone in their twenties is on a campus somewhere. I guess like, that's uh, fair. Go, going to frat parties on the weekends okay we're gonna have to we'll have to do a proper introduction on one, on a future episode <laughs> yeah so, we will. Did,
0: so did you like it you're you're all leo oh yeah yeah i loved it um i think it uh i don't know if it's like been talked about enough like how much the the poster is like one of the lamest movie posters i've ever seen uh i don't know if you guys have it pulled up oh
1: yeah looks like a rom-com it
0: looks yeah like a it rom-com. does look like a rom-com yeah
1: it's very—I don't know when the movie came out, but was it late '90s? Or I think it was like
2: 2001
1: or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2002. It's sort of a '90s uh, movie movie design, like back for the cover, the image. So it doesn't surprise me. But <laughs> all, I mean, w- will I take it? You liked it, and you're gonna you're gonna dip again into that era.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I liked it. I didn't mean to catch out uh, catch like two Leonardo DiCaprio movies back to back, but it's just how it worked out.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna give you guys a real, real classic that. I would be surprised if anyone listening to this uh, to 32 fans movies has ever heard. It's called Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. You've seen that, Will? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, bam, man. This is a co-host for the ages, people. Do not doubt Will. Cannibal Holocaust, 1980. I won't say anything else. I'll just leave it at that. The director (laughs) was sued for killing his crew. Yes. And uh, because it was thought that he had killed his crew. Um, That should be enough for you to want to check it out i don't love it it is a movie about cannibalism there is um i in, live in israel where today is actually holocaust day or today was holocaust day um the movie is not about the holocaust but it is very violent and if any of that sounds up your alley and you like uh italian
0: music uh will you would agree people should check it out uh, <laughs> uh it's definitely a historical artifact
2: i'm r- I'm reading. I've never heard. I've never heard of this movie. I'm reading the plot description right now, and it sounds bonkers.
0: It is. It, it's wild. It is. Pre, it is pretty
1: bonkers. I think half the cast were just like porn industry, like rejects or whatever, part-time actors. Um, but there's enough elements of sort of a good movie in there, and then a lot of bonkersness. Uh, but yeah, Cannibal Holocaust. Check it out if you want to go deep into the brain of Will and Sam for a future episode. Uh, ah, thank you so so much for joining us we talked a lot of Marvel a lot of Avengers but as you and Will both pointed out the fans will be waiting for the next uh, what is it the Infinity War chapter 2
2: um, well, the, ne- the next mo- oh yeah, I don't know what they're going to call the next you know group, but the next movie to come out is going to be Spider-Man, and you know they've already announced the series of a bunch of new characters that they're going to integrate in. And it'll be exciting to uh, to see how that plays out. I think uh, Pepper Potts was talking to all of us at the end of the funeral when she said to the sc- the camera, "We'll be fine." I think uh, Marvel feels very comfortable that they know what they're doing going forward. Um, I'm actually going to see Avengers Endgame again tonight for the third time, and I'm very excited to do so.
1: Wow. Okay, so you'll have to leave some comments in the Facebook group if any of your views that you shared today changed upon All right, third I look viewing. forward to
2: sharing those.
0: Yeah, what if it turns out Av just, like, hates the movie after seeing it a third time?
2: That would be an interesting uh, twist, I, you know. I, I would be interested to see that happen.
1: So we should definitely do an episode in the future sometime where we discuss movies that get better or movies that get worse on multiple viewings. Um, or even just the concept of seeing movies multiple times And ha- wh- how that lends her to- Okay well guys it was good um, We will be back to you in a month May is loaded with movies and Some of my movies I've been most looking forward to this year Are coming out in the next two or three weeks We're already in May oh. uh, The con mo- the con movie festival starts in two weeks So the movies that will be coming out next year We'll already know about in two weeks time uh, Yeah so it's going to be a great month for movies But not so much Marvel If I'm correct Nope
2: All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Okay. We'll we'll talk to you again. Sounds good. All the best.